Hi, this is Erica Potter. And this is Hunter Willis. And this is Hot Girl Briefing. Hey, Hunter. Hey, Erica. So what are we talking about today on our Keep It Brief? So today we are going to be talking about the Beijing 2022 Olympics. So if y'all remember, we already did an episode on the Olympics. If you haven't checked out that episode yet, check it out first because we might be reincorporating a little bit of what we talked about back then into this episode. So it might make a little bit more sense to you, but we will be providing all brand new information on this set of Olympics because, you know, things are going on. So Erica, what is going on? What We've heard that there's a diplomatic boycott. What exactly is a diplomatic boycott? Yeah, so um, I think when we spoke about the Tokyo Olympics, we were just talking about the ramifications of hosting the Olympics with COVID-19 alongside mm-hmm. the fact that these 2022 Olympics were happening. But yeah, in this one, like you said, we're focusing on a diplomatic boycott, which if you didn't know, is when a country does not send any diplomatic or official representation while still allowing the country's national team to compete. Yeah. So in other words, it's not like a full-blown boycott, but it's just the diplomats from that country boycotting. So all the athletes will still be there. Everybody will still be competing. You'll still see Team USA going and winning, dominating the stages, but you won't see like Joe Biden or his wife there or Kamala Harris or any other U.S. representative, basically. Yeah. And we saw I think it was Joe Biden's wife at the Tokyo Olympics. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting because I would have thought that maybe some, I don't want to say boy, some countries would have boycott the Tokyo Olympics due to COVID concerns, but um, we're seeing a lot more discussion over COVID, even though the outbreak is still like, I, I mean, I know with Omicron, it's been like happening a lot or getting more contagious, but I would still say it's like in a little bit better spot than it was before Mm -hmm. during the time of the Tokyo Olympics. So it's really interesting that these, Officials are not sending out their official or sending out their government representation. Um, But before we go into the diplomatic boycott, I want to kind of give a little bit of background about uh, the 2022 Olympics, specifically how they plan to handle uh, with COVID, like I said, going around. So Hunter, if you want to talk about just a little bit of background. Yeah. So they are starting on the 4th. That's when the 2022 Olympics will be starting. So China has also banned foreign spectators following suit of Japan, just like they did in their Olympics when they hosted the 2020 Summer Olympics that were actually hosted in 2021 because they had pushed them off for a whole year, hoping that COVID would have gone away, would have been quelled at least a little bit. But when Japan realized that it wasn't happening, they started to go and put in these restrictions so people could still, so they could still host the Olympics, but it would be a much safer space for the athletes and the Japanese citizens in general. So essentially what's happening is China's also putting in more restrictions in their Olympic games because Omicron is so spreadable. So one of these things are that residents from mainland China are going to be the only allowed spectators unless they are diplomats coming to cheer on their country. But these mainland Chinese spectators, they are not permitted to cheer. They are only allowed to clap. So you won't hear hooting and hollering. You won't hear yelling. You'll just hear clapping. And so one of the weird things about this is that China is one of the few countries with a zero COVID policy where it's not that they're trying to manage COVID, they are trying to completely eliminate the virus altogether. And that makes it for a little interesting of how exactly they're going to be 
welcoming in all these people from all these different countries in the world of where Omicron is spreading like crazy. We're seeing it here in the US, we're seeing it across the world. In South Africa, it started to quell a lot more, but it's gonna be very interesting to say the least. So I know that there's a lot more harsher restrictions. So Erica, if you wanna talk about those harsher restrictions and guidelines for Beijing Olympics. Yeah, and the one where they're not allowed to cheer and they're only allowed to clap, first of all, like brought me back to my sorority Sunday meetings because we were also not allowed to cheer. We weren't allowed mm-hmm. to clap either. We were only allowed to snap, but student getting very much only snap. Yeah. <laughs> getting very much sorority. And I guess student Congress vibes from that mm-hmm. rule. I guess it makes sense, but it's an interesting one that I don't think we heard from that Tokyo had. Less yelling, but, uh, less infectious. <laughs> yeah. Um, but basically these harsher restrictions include people who are vac- unvaccinated will have to spend their first 21 days in Beijing in solitary quarantine. And fully vaccinated participants will have to will be required to remain in a tightly managed like closed loop bubble from the moment they arrive until they leave. They must also present two negative tests before arrival, take tests daily and submit health reports to authorities using a mobile app, which, oh my God, the amount of testing, like, I mean, I get it. I, I get it, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, I hey, that's, COVID tests. that's how it goes. I mean, I was exposed to somebody close this last week in my university. I have to do a daily symptom tracker. I have to do, I have to do a lot of different things just to go and be able to stay on campus. I have to get more testing than normal. I have to do the daily symptom tracker. It's a lot of stuff altogether. Yeah. I, when I used to, when I was working in office, which I mean, I still work in office. I don't know why I said used to, I had to take a day or a health screening every time I went in. So like, I get it, but Xi Jinping has stated that they will deliver a green, safe, and simple games despite the recent outbreaks, especially like we mentioned, Omicron being like highly contagious and more out- widespread. But the authorities have had no plans to lock down Beijing or change either the Olympic schedule or virus control measures in response to Omicron. So while they are having these harsher restrictions for the athletes and coaches and staff, it doesn't seem that they will be doing what Tokyo did, which where they closed the restaurants and all that. From what I could tell in the research, there's still time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're a month away. We're recording this on the 16th. So we're, I mean, a little less than a month away. We're a couple of weeks away, but a lot can change in a couple of weeks if, as we have seen on this podcast before. So you will yeah, be getting and- the most up-to-date information as of the day before this episode drops, but things can definitely change. Yeah, and I think, What's interesting about one of those restrictions is that you have to submit the health report through a mobile app, but guess what? A little spicy tidbit is that the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee is advising athletes, coaches, and staff not to use personal electronic devices while they're in China due to surveillance concerns and instead use burner phones, like as opposed to their normal cell phones. So like, I don't even know, do like burner phones nowadays have mobile apps to do the health report that the Chinese authorities want them to use? And the United States isn't the only one doing this, as similar suggestions have been made by Olympic committees in the Netherlands, United Kingdom, Australia, and Canada. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, for example, we just saw Novak Djokovic, the number one player in men's tennis. He was just denied entering Australia because he has not had the vaccine yet and so when he applied for a vaccine exemption it got granted to him but then they eventually like overturned that and they ended up deporting him from Australia because he's not allowed to be there without a vaccine so it's very interesting to see how different countries are really going about managing COVID and you'd think that China in essence would almost follow that same thing 
of Australia if they're trying to have a zero COVID policy, but it, I'm just kind of interesting. Like, it's interesting to see that they're having at least an option that you can still not be vaccinated and still enter even with the 21 days quarantine. Yeah, that's really strict and that's, that's more than necessary, but it's just interesting to see that they're even offering that at all with a zero COVID policy. I know Djokovic is one of my favorite tennis players of all time. I call him the Joker. Um, <laughs> and honestly, it's a joke with the whole mm-hmm. vaccine thing. <laughs> like, um, But now that we've discussed some of the COVID backgrounds, I'd like to get back into that diplomatic boycott because that's that's what we're really here to discuss, Hunter. Yes, yes, absolutely. So um, like I mentioned, a diplomatic boycotts, like when they don't send any of their representation. However, um, like we said, with the rising COVID cases, this is not the reason for the diplomatic boycott. In fact, many countries have stated that they will do the boycott in response to international concerns regarding China's human rights practices, especially in Xinjiang, which mm-hmm. is like a Northwestern region in China. Yeah. So if y'all aren't familiar with what's happening in Xinjiang, there are at least a million Uyghurs and other ethnic minorities that have been held in an involuntary detention which China calls re-education camps, but the rest of the world is calling a genocide. So, you know, there's nothing more to say on that. That's just as cut as dry as you could be with it. Many researchers and journalists have said that they are often subjected to forced labor, which China ultimately is denying, but these are the reports that we're seeing come out of Xinjiang and the U.S. is making a stance on that. Yeah, alleged alleged forced labor, allegedly. Yes, alleged forced labor. (laughs) labor from China, as the reports are saying. It is not, we can't say as Erica and I, that it is confirmed, but the U.S. is saying that that is exactly what's happening, and that's why the U.S. is boycotting. Yeah, several other countries, when discussing this issue, have also cited other concerns with these re-education camps. We personally don't feel comfortable disclosing those, especially with Chinese denying those allegations. And again, it's really hard to get information out of China, but again, there is international concern over that. And so that's why several countries have announced their diplomatic boycott. Mm-hmm. Hunter, do you want to talk about some of the countries? Name a couple or all. <laughs> yeah. So, so far, the countries that are announcing the boycott against China over the Uyghur issue are the U.S., Australia, the United Kingdom, New Zealand, Canada, Denmark, and Lithuania. So Lithuania was the first to announce a diplomatic boycott of the Winter Olympics, which is kind of surprising because you would think the U.S. would take on a more controversial stance. But it turns out it was Lithuania. They said, you know what, we've already upset China over the Taiwan issue and we're not in a good place right now. So we might as well just go hard and also announce a diplomatic boycott to the Winter Olympics. And for those of you that don't know, China is very proud of their Olympics when the Beijing Olympics, the Summer Olympics happened. In 2008, they were so excited and they felt as though this was really China stepping out onto the world stage. So China really takes the Olympics very seriously. And it's really interesting to see a tiny country like Lithuania make such a large stance against China with, I don't know, I just, I can't believe it still, but Yeah, and the European Union actually hasn't really commented on it. So Lithuania is like one of the only uh, countries to in the in Europe to really make statement besides the United Kingdom and then Belgium, whose prime minister confirmed to Parliament that the federal government's not sending representation to the games. It's Mm -hmm. important to note though they didn't outright 
Oh, go ahead. Denmark also joined that on oh, Friday yes. the 14th, that they will also be joining the diplomatic boycott over China's human rights situation. Yeah, Denmark joined the boycott. Like we like me and Hunter are saying, it's an evolving issue. So, you know, there will probably be more countries or maybe not, but- um, In the coming they, weeks, we'll probably see more countries join on. Yeah, Denmark cited that concern over China's human rights situation, but Belgium did not. They did not say they were joining the boycott, just that they were stating that they were not setting representation to the games. So I feel like it's like kind of there in spirit, but not in words. Yeah, because then you're seeing other countries announcing that they're not sending representation of the games, but they're announcing it. Like Sweden, they announced that it would be due to COVID-19. So they're not sending representation due to COVID. So it's kind of like, if you didn't want to go to the games at first, then you kind of have like this like, sneaky way of getting out of it of just saying that you don't want to go due to human rights violations you can now instead say oh well you know COVID's a thing so it's kind of like when you really don't want to end up going to that party and then your friend has the perfect excuse like oh my god no my mom just fell and just broke her foot so I have to go and take her to the hospital I'm so sorry that I can't go to the party that's basically the excuse that all these countries are starting to use if they really didn't want to go in the first place but they didn't want to make that giantly controversial statement now they have a much easier way out with COVID. I think the Netherlands has like the best one out of like, again, not joining the boycott, but kind of giving like the, the like runaround. They said they wouldn't be sending any government delegation because of China's like COVID-19 policies, which like we just said are super harsh. So I like, I understand, but they said the COVID-19 policies would make it difficult for Dutch diplomats to discuss their grave concern towards China's human rights issues. So like, they're like referencing it, but they're not like outright saying we're not going like not because of like the actual human rights issues, but because of it's like we want COVID nineteen preventing about, us from talk about. It. Yeah, it's like we're not going because of COVID nineteen, but we did want to discuss this with you while we were there. But since we're not going to be there because of COVID nineteen, just makes it easier for everybody. It's like I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that response, but so I think Japan did like a similar thing with the Japan Chief Cabinet Secretary Hirokazu Matsuno stated that the country would not send a government delegation to the games as it believes that it's important for China to ensure freedom, respect for basic human rights, and the rule of law, but he did not refer to the move as a diplomatic boycott. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he's over here basically just giving like a toned-down version of, yeah, human rights for everybody, without directly mentioning the Uyghur situation at all. Yeah, and I don't see any mention of them being concerned, Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, at least they did mention human rights. Obviously, like, that's what you would want to see. You'd want to see, if you're going to mention human rights at all, just go the whole way. Like, there's no point in just tiptoeing around the issue. Just go the whole way. There's no point in stopping right before you get to the finish line. Say that the human rights issue that you're trying to address is the Uyghur issue. Say that. Don't just say with your chest. Blankets. Yeah, not just some blanket statement that's like, hey, we're going to kind of tiptoe around it. We're going to kind of allude to it just to make like the U.S. happy, but we're not going to say the Uyghur situation to make the Chinese happy. It's like, no, I mean, you kind of got to, you kind of got to get on one side or the other with this one. I don't think you can really go halfway with it, but we're seeing Japan obviously try, which is very interesting as well. Yeah. And then it's so funny to me, the next thing, because Italy and France declined to join the boycott. So like they're kind of, you know, like Japan, not really wanting to boycott, but then the, with president Macron of France describing the boycott as symbolic and insignificant. Like, <laughs> I almost think that it's tacky on his part. It's symbolic, yes, but it's not insignificant. It shows directly in the world's view that you're 
actively putting a stance of saying no to China to not appease China by showing up to the games because China, China really prides themselves on their Olympic games. So if you're saying, I'm not going to show up to something that you really pride yourself on, that's a little bit more than symbolic. That's something that Chinese officials are really going to notice if you don't attend. It's not like saying, oh yeah, hey, I'm going to have this little hangout Friday night. Like if you come, totally cool. If not, that's also fine. It's like, no, I'm inviting all of my best friends over to my super, super significant life event. And then if you don't come, you're really going to notice. You invite all these people to your wedding. These people don't show up. You're going to notice. And that's this is essentially China's wedding to the world is their Olympics. So I wouldn't describe it as insignificant. I get I get where he's coming from that if you're going to do something, you really need to actively put action behind it. But I would argue that it's more than that it's much more than insignificant. Yeah. And I don't know what the president of France was like trying to do there because at the very least it's COVID safe, which is significant. Mm. Like at the very least we're saving people from traveling internationally while COVID's at an all-time high, like mm. the very least. Like, so I would say that's like more than insignificant. Uh, Australia stated though, that the boycott was the right thing to do and in Australia's national interest. Mm. So interesting. Not, I mean, I think due to strong economic ties that Australia has to China, they probably can't be more outspoken regarding mm-hmm. this issue. But, you know, hey, power to Australia. I, I'm surprised that they were on the list. Considering yeah, Australia's really siding with, yeah, they're really siding with like the U.S. on this one over France, which I don't think that it's a coincidence that France is going against this while the U.S. and Australia are both going for it, especially after France really feels like they got their toes stepped on over the recent nuclear submarine deal between the U.S. and Australia, which was supposed to be a nuclear submarine deal between France and Australia that then the U.S. cut in on. So I think that that could have something to do here as well with President Macron saying that, but I don't know. Who am I to say this? Who am I to say this? Well, New Zealand joined the boycott with Australia as well. So, but they stressed that there was a range of factors, but mostly to do with COVID, and the fact that the logistics of travel and so on around COVID are not conducive to that kind of trip, which is like interesting, interesting because like you could have literally just said we're not going because of COVID, but mm-hmm. instead you chose to join the boycott, support Australia, support the United States, and yet still are like, well, it's actually more about COVID, but like the mm-hmm. diplomatic boycott's about the human rights. So yeah, a little interesting there, but tell me you're against it without telling me you're against it. Yeah, pretty much. But, you know, the biggest and baddest, most bold country, and when I say biggest and baddest, I just mean in this whole situation. Yeah, situation, like this whole back and forth was, of course, the United States. And Hunter, Mm -hmm. do you want to read what the Biden administration had to say about their diplomatic boycott? Yes. So this is a direct quote from the White House press secretary, Jen Psaki. She said verbatim, the Biden administration will not send any diplomatic or official representation to the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics and Paralympic Games given, and then she didn't say China, but insert China's ongoing genocide and crimes against humanity in Xinjiang and other human rights abuses, end quote. I think that's a pretty, that's a pretty direct statement right there. That's the most direct that anybody said really so far, the most in-depth statement that we've seen so far. Everybody else is like, yeah, it's because of like the Xinjiang thing, but they did not call it a genocide and and crimes against humanity, whereas the White House is calling it that. 
well, you know, the United States with the biggest military ever, they're like, I've got the guns and let me. You're like, hold up, I got those. Let me point them. Like, I will call you out for every little thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then alternatively, you see some countries that are closer to China that are doing the exact opposite. So you see the Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan, he will be attending the opening ceremony as well as Russian President Vladimir Putin. Allegedly, Vladimir Putin is also holding a summit with Chinese President Xi Jinping on opening day. That's all alleged. We can neither confirm nor deny it, but it is allegedly happening. And we see Pakistan's support really stemming from their longtime economic and military ties with China. And they're really continuing this close relationship, especially as China keeps on giving more and more BRI investment, where China just pledged in 2013 to build a network of transportation and energy projects, boosting connectivity to Pakistan. So if y'all are listening to our BRI segments, then you guys will know this. And then the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres also plans to attend in person and then said that the event quote, must be an instrument of peace in the world, end quote, which usually that's what the Olympics are for. It's usually a place for gathering and for world peace of where no matter what's going on in the world, the Olympic Games can still happen. People will still have national pride and competition amongst each other, no matter what's happening in the world. So that's, I I get where he's coming from. I get why he released that statement, especially as the UN Secretary General of where you're not having a specific stance on domestic and international policy but yeah I get it he's probably trying to just keep you know politics out of sport although Mm -hmm. one one could argue how can you keep certain politics out of everyday occurrences but you know Mm -hmm. yeah so what exactly is China's response then Erica well like you've been saying China's pride and joy is the Olympics they're so very supportive of you know not only with their Olympic team but also just hosting it this year especially they're very proud and so they were not exactly happy about specifically the United States announcement of the diplomatic boycott Mm -hmm. so we know that Lithuania was the first one to say they were not going to do they were not going to send any representation but I don't think China had much to say about it as they did with the United States so Mm -hmm. Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson Zhao Lijian told reporters last month that the U.S. boycott violates the spirit of the Olympic Games and claimed the country was interfering out of ideological prejudice based on lies and rumors. And hold on, Hunter, it gets better. Okay. <laughs> Li Zhan also stated that China opposes the United States boycott and promised resolute countermeasures in response and also that the United States would pay a price for its mistaken acts. And here you go. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for the last quote or one of the last quotes he said? Let's all wait and see. Listen, it sounds like he must be actually listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think because I mean, God knows that's the number one line of this podcast, I feel like. I think Zhao is definitely listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they asked him because the US, if you guys didn't know, the United States is set to host the 2028 Summer Olympics in Los Angeles and is preparing to make a bid to host the 2030 Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City. And when asked if China would consider a diplomatic boycott of the Olympic Games in the United States, Zhao stated that the U.S. boycott has damaged the foundation atmosphere of sports exchange and cooperation on the Olympics, which he likened to, quote, lifting a stone to crush one's own foot. And he called the United States to keep politics out of sports. So Zhao Lijian, he really has a lot to say about this. We see he has a very strong feeling towards it. 
And it's going to be interesting to see how exactly China reacts in the future with the 2028 Olympics. And then if the U.S. is also set to host the 2030 Olympics, if, you know, China ends up not attending the 2028 Olympics, if they feel as though, hey, there's enough time that's passed and we already made a statement, now we can attend the 2030 Olympics if it is in Salt Lake City. That's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. And I mean, that's like six, potentially eight years in the future. And he's already like, they'll pay. Mm-hmm. They'll mm-hmm. get their comeuppance. Yeah, I, it's a pretty interesting situation. And it's an evolving situation. We're seeing more countries come out. We just saw, you know, this last Friday, we saw additional countries coming out against or coming out for the boycott. So it's going to be really interesting to see how many countries in total end up not attending the Olympics in China this year. That's that's going to be very interesting for sure, especially just seems like they're kind of coming out like last minute with statements and justifications if they do end up going, justifications to not go. It's going to be interesting to see who actually ends up attending. It's going to be a bit of a different Olympics this year than what we're used to seeing. Yeah, the Tokyo Olympics definitely didn't have this much controversy. I mean, not only do we have- They the definitely had controversy, but not not like this. It was more like domestic controversy, yeah. COVID controversy. It wasn't over human rights abuses and you know the White House saying genocide and crimes against humanity, China saying that that's all lies and rumors. You're, we're seeing a lot more going on with this year's Olympics than we were with last year's set of Olympics. Fake news, fake news. That's what the Chinese are saying, basically. And you're like, you're wrong. And that's all I have to say about it. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. Like we always say, we'll just have to wait and see. We got two more weeks, basically, before the Olympics really start. So, or two and a half weeks, two and a half weeks before the Olympics start. So we'll keep y'all updated. If, if anything big happens, we'll release a little mini update episode. But not anticipating anything crazy happening. We'll probably just give you guys a little update at the end of our episodes in a couple of weeks and ultimately list who who ultimately ended up not attending due to boycotting and who attended. So we will keep y'all updated with that. That's for sure. Yep. So um, thanks so much for talking with me, Hunter, about this. I'm excited to see. Actually, I'm interested. I, I'm excited is a strong word. I'm interested to see how this situation uh, pans out with you know COVID and the boycott mm-hmm. and I guess we'll keep I guess we'll catch up with you guys on our keep it BRI yeah this we will Thursday see yep we will see you guys on this Thursday for a all-new episode of our keep it BRI and then next week we'll also be back again with a full-length episode and our new country analysis segment so stay tuned we will keep y'all updated and we can't wait to see y'all on Thursday and make sure to give our new logos and marketing materials that we have a like because we have been working so hard on that yes yes the team here we've all been working very hard it is it is we're loving it we're living it we're loving it so definitely go and check those out on all of our social medias as well as our website and let us know how you guys are feeling about it let us know in the comments let us know in our spotify questions we have a pinned question on our last episode of the country analysis segment so if you guys can go and answer that that would be so helpful for us so please do that it helps us a ton knowing how you guys are interested in it how exactly you guys want these episodes formatted we're trying to do it for y'all so if we can do anything to better it that's what we're here for so definitely go check it out but with that we will see you guys next thursday bye bye